welcome to the special edition of the Online Learning Minute at MarketScale. I'm joined today by the Director of Global Education Solutions at Lenovo, Rich Henderson. Rich, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me, Brian. So Rich, um, I saw on your LinkedIn profile you have, uh, you've played a lot of hats in the past here. So um, what got you involved in the education space? It's a great question. And again, thanks for having me. What, what really got me started in the education space was when I was in college, I, I, was, I was pursuing a kind of mechanical engineering degree, which was kind of the de facto coming out of high school. But as I started to really think about my passion, I took a communications class and I really started loving this thought of how people communicate, how people think, how people can learn. Um, around the same time, I started working for the North Carolina Autism Society, and uh, I was working as a one-on-one -on -one trainer for autistic students that were um, kind of learning life skills, you know, going to the post office, mailing a letter, shopping. Uh, and between that and my studies in communication, I really became interested in special education and and how we work with students to to better their lives. and. And luckily, since that point, I've really been able to, you know, center most of my career around the education space. That's awesome. That's a lot of uh, community uh, give back as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's one of the things. It's great. It's great to have something like this where you're, um, you do feel like you're, you're giving back, you're, you're helping uh, in your community. And, you know, one thing I'm, I guess, most excited about this role at Lenovo is I'm, I'm looking kind of across the world. I'm looking at kind of what we're doing in India, what we're doing in Africa, what we're doing in uh, in the United States, and that's both, you know, K-12 as well as higher education. So it's a, it's a really broad spectrum of things that we're looking at. That's awesome. So speaking of K-12 and higher education, um, you know, because we're in the uh, coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic right now, how do you think that K-12 and higher ed are going to come out of this after it's all under control um, in terms of their technology utilization? Well, what, some of the things that I'm hearing from industry experts is that you know, we were already moving in a lot of these directions. So if we think about where the education space was headed already, you know, we were trying to untether the teacher from the front of the classroom. Uh, we were you know, allowing the teacher to move around the classroom, provide digital tools, uh, put students in the ability to learn remotely and through distance learning, through VR. Uh, and so a lot of those trends were already happening, but they were more at an experimental level or early implementation stage. What a lot of the experts that I'm talking to are saying, this is probably moving forward that timeline by at least five years. So now, instead, yeah, instead of these kind of experiments, um, I think we're going to see a true global movement times one towards one-to-one -one student computing. Uh, you know, most of the world was still in kind of a shared uh, lab experience or a cart, you know, laptops in a cart or, or desktops in a lab or tablets that are used for specific activities. But what this, you know, pandemic is really accelerating is the need for every student to have a device that, that can be their interaction, their computing device, um, and so I think that's where I see it's not really changing the nature of education. I think it will drive a lot more flexibility. You may have K-12 classrooms where you may have students that are remote. 
that are going to be joining and participating in an in-class session more frequently. So do you mean by that how it's like a virtual classroom, like the student or learner, they'd be um, in their bedroom, for instance, wearing uh, a VR headset, and it seems like they can virtually raise their hand and uh, have that sort of same school mentality? Or are you looking towards a different sort of um, different sort of education style because of this? Yeah, I, there's a there's different levels of of immersion. I think that that are required. I think you know if we were to if we if we geek out a little bit, you know, we're we're seeing ourselves on the Jedi Council, um, right? And you've got virtual holograms of, of all the students uh, who are sitting around like a Jedi Council. That technology is probably still five plus years away, but. But what is available is you could have a camera in the classroom that a, is a virtual student uh, or a collection of virtual students, whether they be students who are you know, unable to come to class for some particular reason, or they could be students that are um, exchange students from another country, frankly, that are taking part in that class virtually. Now, there is a, there's a certain aspect to VR, for example, as an immersive platform that creates enhanced knowledge transfer, enhanced engagement. So it doesn't necessarily require VR. I think you can still get a lot of this interface through a web-based kind of notebook interface, but VR certainly provides much more immersion and especially for more difficult topics or hands-on labs, VR could create uh, a lot more learning, better learning outcomes. Definitely. I mean, I can imagine that there's some like, uh, VR science labs where instead of having uh, you know the different chemical compounds with the students mixing them and then potentially causing the room to explode and the school evacuate they can do that virtually right yeah and and that's happening today I mean that's that's part of uh, the beauty of the VR space frankly is that it allows you to experiment with things that would either one be too expensive uh, to to allow to all students um, or number two, it's just unsafe. Um, but honestly, one of the one of the things that we've seen, we've been working with uh, VR in the classroom for about two years now, and one of the biggest things that we've heard is it is actually leveling the playing field uh, for students who maybe are not able to travel and do field trips and um, and have access to the same technology and resources as students at more wealthy schools or situations. So it's actually, you know, for those students who, who may never leave their city or, or their state, they can put on a VR headset and be anywhere in the world and really broaden their view and their aperture of, of their potential future. So really in terms of how VR is going to be a big player in K-12 and higher ed, it's sort of democratizing education in a way, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, I would say absolutely it's democratizing education. Um it is breaking down those borders. Um, and I would say that, you know, the, the research that we've seen is saying that for complex topics, it is actually improving knowledge transfer by about 40 percent. 40 percent. Wow. Yeah. So students who are learning a complex topic where they're in a hands on environment uh, that is triggering better recall, um, enhanced kind of ability to answer things on a, on a real life test. Is it, um, would you say that it's also helping out um, like social skills in a way? 
Yeah, actually, we've seen some really interesting applications of VR for those types of social skill environments. So some of the content that's really interesting is uh, English language training, um, as well as diversity and cultural training. So one of the great, uh, we're partnering with NC State University, for example, on a number of VR initiatives. And one thing that they've done is create a global training program that would allow you to see, let's say you're in a room with uh, people from different diverse backgrounds and culture and language. Well, they're expressing a conversation with you, but it gives you kind of chat bubbles to understand what from their culture, their language understanding might be behind that. So you could understand why they say things a certain way and, and what their cultural background might allow you to interpret about the way the communication is happening. So I, I would say it, it gives you a much more diverse view of, of the world. Sort of changing um, topics a little bit in terms of virtual reality and uh, online learning, one of the main things that I think about when I'm using a VR headset are a lot of games that are available now. So um, how do you think that Lenovo is trying to craft the space in higher ed um, or even B2B uh, or business in general with virtual reality and game-based learning? Yeah, I'll, I will say two things. One, we really haven't focused on the game platform of it yet. Uh, a lot of our focus, uh, let me talk K-12 first. A lot of our focus in K-12 has been around making sure that VR is not just a gimmick. Um, I mean, so you're not just kind of walking into the classroom and, you know, there's a, there's, a, you know, you, you remember this from the old days, like you walk in and there's a TV sitting in front of the classroom and you're just crossing your fingers that it's Donald Duck playing, you know, pool and uh, is a right. geometry lesson. Um, but, you know, because that, that was the class, right? You hit play on that, and 45 minutes later, it's like, okay, great. We all learned how to play pool with geometry. But a lot of that has happened in the VR space as well, where you just have these games that are not necessarily tied to education outcomes. So our, our focus in VR for K-12 has been finding content that is curricular-based, and that has formative assessments that are built in that can be taken outside of VR. So you go and you learn about the solar system or you know how the, the sun's generating um, these electromagnetic energy that's, that's getting taken into the Earth's atmosphere and becomes you know, the, the lights that, that are lighting up the sky. And, and now though, as you're seeing that energy flow into the Earth's atmosphere, you're getting a quiz on your screen that's kind of asking you, okay, well, what are you seeing here? And you're getting these formative assessment checks um, and that, you know, there's scores at the end of that. So there's some gamification that's built into that where like you're learning, you're engaged, it's, you're getting kind of uh, knowledge checks throughout that piece. And then you're also, you know, trying to trying to get awards and badges as you as you kind of perform well on these different tests. And then the beauty of that is, you know, that that's still probably like a 10 minute experience. But now all that experience is translated to a web page where a teacher can see student progress, see what topics need to be retaught because a certain percentage of the class, you know, missed that. That's where we're going is to try and make VR really relevant to teaching and learning outcomes. That's amazing. You know, when we were talking about, um, you know, the solar system and also how you can utilize VR for democratizing the field trips, uh, the one thing that I was thinking of was sort of like... Um, 
a virtual magic school bus. <laughs> does that kind of uh, does that kind of resonate with you a little bit? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I love that idea. Let's let's get Miss Frizzle. Yes, you know to to, to lead us around. Um, I, I don't think that's been created yet. So you know, po- for anyone listening, possible opportunity there. Yeah, definitely. Let's get that licensing down. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So then, um, what do you think then uh, would be some of the different uh, methodology for creating uh, curriculums with different VR applications? Like, would you have different uh, scenarios for uh, different topics that need to be taught? So I, I think when it comes to kind of creating VR, that's, that's a whole nother thing, right? We have this, um, I think VR is in a stage right now where we're still, we're still content consumers. Um, so we want to find a content application that we could use. I see over the next couple of years, really empowering the students to be the creators um, and, and this kind of game creation engine uh, being applied and more accessible for a VR environment. Uh, and I'm starting to see some great um, tools that are being developed for teaching code, uh, for teaching Unity skills in more of a like a building block um, type of an environment, and then being able to push that into a VR space. I mean, I, I think uh, there's a number of examples I could think of where, you know, these basic um, skill-based um, competitive elements can can be put into a VR space that actually students are creating. Uh, and that, that I think is really the next important frontier. So not only just having them be immersed in it the same way that like for instance i grew up with video games like i've been gaming since i was five um, but being able to teach the students how to code for vr because it is an emerging technology and it's definitely not going away right yeah yeah absolutely i mean you think about all right I, i'm gonna go back in my history a little bit so i was taking a class uh, my freshman year uh actually i think this is my sophomore year in college and I, I'm signed up for a class, and it's a medieval history class, which I thought was super cool. What I didn't realize at the time was how well prepared I was for that class because of the hours and hours of time I had spent playing Age of Empires. Like So, so Age of Empires, if you're not familiar with it, is a civilization-building game, but it was based in the Middle Ages or medieval times, and you had, you know, all these different countries and you could play as them and they had uh, cultural elements that were built into the game. So we're sitting there in class and I'm, you know, we're talking about trebuchets and longbowmen and, and all this stuff. And I'm literally raising my hand every time that the teacher asks a question and he's like, well, how do you know all this stuff? You're, uh, you're killing it in this class. And I was like, actually, you know, it's age of empires, man. <laughs> Just like <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's a lot of um, history and architecture teachers who are using like Assassin's Creed or at least like some of the earlier games uh, for that platform as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think and I think at the, you know, at the college level, there's so much opportunity there to build those robust worlds that help us connect and imagine uh, in a way that we can experience those worlds and walk around and be a part of it. Uh, And and those things stick with us um, a lot more than uh you know studying a textbook in a lot of ways definitely so i know there's a lot of talk about higher ed and uh k-12 with vr but you know in a few years um the people who are going to be leaving k-12 or leaving 
university, they're going to be in the workforce. So, um, like one thing I imagine VR being useful for could be like training somebody how to wire something, um, you know, when they get started as part of their training. So what do you think are some other kinds of uses that VR could have possibly in the business space in a few years? Yeah, I think, I think there's an amazing uh, need for training applications uh, using VR. Uh, in fact, one of the other technologies that Anova is really working on is, is AR-based technologies, uh, so augmented reality. And we've been working on a few applications surrounding like a remote expert capability. Uh, and we have a few partners that we're working with where, you know, you, let's, let's say you're at home, you know, we're all stuck at our home uh, these days and, and your garbage disposal breaks. And now you're underneath your sink, you're trying to figure out how it works, you're looking up instruction manuals and YouTube videos. Uh, but if you had your AR headset, you could call a service where a technician is actually seeing through the lens of your AR headset. They can put schematics, instructions um, uh, up on the screen uh, that you're seeing, and they can coach you through repairing your own garbage disposal, for example. That's amazing. That, yeah, that, that type of like uh, remote expert um, how to pull other people into your space to create this shared virtual uh, experience, I think is, uh, is amazing technology. So now um, you mentioned AR and we've been talking about VR for a while though. So what do you think um, some of the biggest differences between AR and VR in terms of their applications could be? VR, uh, from an education standpoint, VR is more mature, right? So we have, uh, there's a lot more content creators that are making VR applications. Um, but it's a very different experience in a classroom setting when, when you have a student that is closed, closed off in a VR space. That student is by nature learning a little more independently. We're seeing a lot more VR uh, classrooms where these are shared spaces where multiple students are interacting in a, in a virtual space. So that I feel VR is quite a bit more mature in that space. AR is really interesting, though, from a, um, a technical expertise layer. We're seeing some really interesting use cases in healthcare and military where they're still in their normal environment, but they're laying these complex um, images or assessments over what they're seeing currently. So one, one example in healthcare that we're seeing is the ability to do kind of wound analysis and, and progression. So if a, you know, if you're performing a complex surgery, you could have an overlay that's being put on your visor that has images of what that wound has looked like when it first happened, how it's progressed and, and, and then how it's healing. So you could have some kind of layer effects that can analyze how well a wound is healing, for example. That would be amazing. So, but I would say for, for specifically classroom applications, there's a lot more content uh, and tools that need to be developed for AR. Um, and, and also the, the equipment is more expensive as well. If you get past using a phone um, or a tablet for AR and you're looking into doing an AR headset, um, there, that's a lot more of an investment for schools to, to have to make. Sure, but eventually one of these days, um, AR and VR headsets would are going to be coming down in price anyway, right? Well, absolutely. And uh, what we were likely to see is headsets that can be either or. So they can do mixed reality. They can have, uh, they can go full VR or they could be, they could switch to AR. 
uh, at some point. So I think those are things that lots of different people in the space are working on. So like instead of it being a full blackout, like with VR, it'd probably have a semi-clear, um, like almost wearing glasses kind of screen, and then you could put a hood over it to make it full VR. Yeah. So Rich, uh, I guess one other thing I wanted to ask you is uh, what do you think would be the most important thing that educators need to know about VR, AR, game-based learning, or gamification, or all the above? Wow. Okay. Big, big question here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let me... Let's start with VR. What's the most important thing with uh, VR that educators need to know? So I, I would say that the most important thing educators need to know about VR is that it is a support technology. This is something that you integrate into, you would take a a VR experience and integrate that into your current curriculum. It's not something that you kind of give to a student and it's it's something you say, okay, here, have this experience and then the experience is over. You have students take this, uh, take them through this experience that's a, a 10, maybe 15 minute max experience. But then you come out of that experience and now you look around your classroom, you've had 20, 30 students, hopefully, that have all gone through this VR experience. They've had this shared experience now in VR and you use that to propel uh, the additional research and learning outcomes to, now that you've kind of sparked that creative vision for the student, you build on that to incorporate it back into your lesson and your learning outcomes. Yeah, and I've seen that with uh, experiential learning, that's one of the big topics right now. And I can totally see how VR really would enhance that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So then um, how about for AR? What's the most important thing educators need to know about that? I would say with AR, uh, it's a lot more of a nascent space. And so it should be something that educators should start experimenting with um, and, and looking at different ways to model 3D objects to begin building object repositories and, and have students um, create and, uh, and test that new technology. They're going to have less access to devices, as many devices. Uh, and so it's more maybe targeted around CTE and, and more technical development. But it could have a, it's going to have a much larger long-term impact on the professional world. Definitely. And then... You mentioned gamification earlier. Um, I know we only briefly touched on it, but um, what do you think is the most important thing that uh, educators and trainers need to know about gamification? Well, gamification is a huge topic, as you know, um, but it's it's one of the most important ways that we have of motivating um, students. So I think that motivation piece is an is an easy one, right? It's it's that quick engagement. But where, where I really want to go and, and I think is really important is around personalizing the learning experience. So not only you don't want to push everyone through the same um, process, you want to allow people to, you, you, you were talking about kind of these um, uh, first person, not first person, like role playing games. So, so RPGs and, and stuff where everyone's kind of able to create their own journey. That's where I believe gamification uh, can really be impactful is allowing students to compile their own uh, personalized learning um, through gamification. So not everyone has to pass through the same gate in the same way. They have ways to accomplish the task that can be creative 
and allow students to develop personality in, in their own track uh, while they're going through the process. Yeah, and I know, for example, Khan Academy, it's really heavily utilized in a lot of K-12 right now. Um, and they have it where I think some of their lessons, they'll teach you different ways on how to solve a certain math problem until you're able to get that passing score, right? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing we didn't really talk about yet, but I just wanted to to mention, you know, the whole esports phenomenon is really fascinating to me because here, you know, it's 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 not quite gamification, but it is that same kind of skill set of team building, communication, thinking through critical kind of problems and 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 feeling a part of a team and a school effort as you're doing that. Uh, so I've been super excited to see esports start to take off, um, both in high school and higher ed. Well, I think that in terms of how there's not many uh, sporting events happening right now, I mean, esports is a great area to look into because, I mean, aside from the connection speed, if that can be something that can be mitigated, then a lot of esports can fully happen remotely. And not only that, but um, I think I read a study a couple years ago that the esports players, um, this was when people were saying, oh, esports isn't really sports, but the esports players have reaction times the same as fighter pilots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, from, a, from an educator standpoint, you know, there, there are a lot of other reasons too. I mean, students that are supporting esports, involved in esports, they're learning STEM skills. They're developing some of these soft skills like problem solving, persistence. Um, and, and it's really complementary with gamification because they're, you're, you're focusing on the achievement. You're focusing on the engagement. Um, so I, I think the success of esports and the, the rise of that in education will really help to push gamification uh, as a continued methodology. Definitely. And I think it'll be nice to see a really scrawny guy like, you know, five foot one, weighs <laughs> like 95 pounds with a letterman jacket walking around high That's school. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wish that I wish it would have been available for me, oh, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, me too. that jacket. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Rich, it's been an amazing pleasure talking with you today. Do you have any uh, final words? You know, I, I think we've, uh, again, I've really enjoyed the conversation, Brian. I think uh, this is a really relevant topic and, and extremely important. Uh, I would say that, you know, Let's focus on the student, focus on the way that they want to learn. And, and these, this technology, these tools, it's all about personalizing that, that learning path for each student. So thanks for the time. No, thank you so much. Everybody, that was your Online Learning Minute at Market Scale special edition with Rich Henderson, the Director of Global Education Solutions at Lenovo. Rich, we're always happy to have you on, so make sure that you're not a stranger. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Take care. You too. All right. That's been another episode of the Online Learning Minute at Market Scale. I'm Brian Runo, and I hope you'll tune in next time for more exciting ideas and insights about the intersection of education and technology.